You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, kids? That got weird. Sorry about that. It's uh, 7.18. We're 18 minutes late, and that's on me as uh, we get started with the Sunday Smash. Sorry about that, Ira. I'm a little flustered. Computer, <laughs> computers, buddy. They're awesome. The uh, You just got to give it to my bad. It's like in like the NCAA tournament when a guy like shoots up an air ball or dribbles it off his knee. At a cr- cr- hey, my bad. It's my bad. So I also have to uh, switch to this camera to make sure this is working properly because um, I can tell I'm fading in and out. It's kind of weird. I don't know if you see me okay or not. You look fine, buddy. You look fine. I wouldn't. Worry Thank too you, much brother. So this is a, 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 a you know a relatively short Sunday smash. Let's fire away. Thirty minutes in and out. <laughs> <laughs> I got the game on just like you. Do you not have yeah. Duke and Michigan State on? I do. I do. I do. It's going down to the wire. That's what I thought you were doing when you were. Having your technical difficulties, I thought you were just watching the Duke game. No, I wish uh, it was that easy, but uh, yeah, man, I, uh, I, <laughs> it's funny. I got I got in here at six forty five, and uh, I was sitting down, ready to go. Uh, I was like, okay, well, we got a Sunday smash. I'm gonna have a beer. In fact, uh, cheers to everybody out there. Um, relaxing. Oh, what what you got there, Ira? Nothing crazy. A little yingling. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy for me either. Uh, I'm doing a Shinerbach. Oh, the old um, Schneiderbach. Yeah. By the way, as I was uh, stressfully trying to get this to work, I might have pounded four Schneiderbach. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been a little frustrated, and I'm a little bit on edge, given that uh, I got back last night uh, from Montana about uh, 1.30 in the morning, and uh, I'm I'm completely uh, – I don't know. I messed up. So uh, I'm good to go, though. I'm good to go. It's good to be here. I'm ready for uh, this week of practice to get underway, Ira. I'm ready to go. So your pictures, man, I enjoyed uh, some of your photos, some of your uh, moments from out there in Montana. And I'll be honest with you, like usually when people post their vacation pictures, you know, you're kind of like a little bit jealous. Yeah. I didn't find myself jealous at all. All that snow. I'll be honest with you. You should have. So I can show you – Several phases of that trip. Uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, cheers to you too, uh, to all of Thanks, you watching. Eric. Actually, and uh, it's good to be back, man. I'm I'm ready to get back to work, and uh, I had a great time. But Ira, there's there are parts of Montana where you'd be like, yeah, no, man, no, I'm good. And then there are other parts of Montana where you go, holy shit, I mm. see why people want to be here. Um, so I, I I saw both. I saw Idaho and a good bit of. Uh, the upper portion of Washington. I've been I've been to Washington before, but I've never been to Idaho and I've never been to Montana. So it was fun. It was a good time. Right, what, what's the coolest wildlife you saw? That's we're not going to dwell on this, but what's the coolest wildlife you saw? Elk. I saw a bunch of big elk, um, and that was really cool. I also saw um, those giant ass rams. The the Ira those rams that oh. come down and and you know lay the wood. Um, I saw those guys. Those were cool. Those mountain rams. Um, I saw, let's see, a bunch of deer, a bunch of deer. I did not, thankfully, I did not see any bears. I didn't see any bears or anything like that. I, I saw a that's, bunch of deer, a, a bunch of. 
that's a successful trip right there. That's really all you need to know. How was your trip? I didn't see any bears. Yeah. Perfect. That was good. Yeah. No bears. Good times. Uh, no, everything. You know, it's so funny. It's a complicated thing. Um, so I think the show Yellowstone is fucking bullshit. I think it's a terrible show. And, and so I probably shouldn't say effing bullshit. Sorry. Um, it's, 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 it's the most popular show in the world, but I would rather watch like 1883 or this other stuff that's going on right now. Uh, that's a little bit more realistic, but I get the draw of all of it. Having now been there and seen that and driven through it and, and done all that, I get the draw of all of it. Um, but it's, yeah, Ira, it's polarizing, man. There's a lot of beauty. There's unfathomable beauty there. Right. right. Um, there's also, uh, desolation, isolation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the part that has me. That's part of well, you, you, you know, you, you grew up basically in Miami, right? I think you would love it for about a day or two. So I my dad, you- my dad, uh, you know, he grew up in the Bronx and then we lived in Miami most of my life. Um, so he's as city as it gets like he, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, he's, he's as city as it got. Um, but he went out to, you know, Tombstone and some, I mean, he, he saw some stuff out West and, and liked it. I mean, he, he, he wouldn't want to live there either. Uh, but he, he did like, uh, you know, the Grand Canyon and some of those things. So I, I think I would like it, but man, the cold, the snow, just no thanks. No thanks. So you, the picture I posted, I think you're referencing a picture I posted where I'm on the mountain and it's just right. like, it, yeah. And <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, you must have been. I like, can imagine. I can imagine you sitting in the snow like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Yeah, just, yeah. So that particular picture, I have to tell you, that day was amazing. Um, we had been skiing for about uh, six or seven hours, and the it was the final uh, trip for me down the mountain. I went by myself, and I went on a pretty easy. Uh, it's a blue run, Ira. It's just a mm-hmm. blue. And I went down and I cut left over to this like really pretty flat area uh, of the mountain. And I have to tell you, there was nobody within seven football fields of me either way. I was by myself completely. It's towards sundown and it's starting to snow hard, just really hard. And I had enough gear on that I was not cold. And I sat there and I listened to the snow. I mean, it's going to get spiritual. I listened to the snow just hitting the branches all around me. It was perfect. But, you know, that's like one moment. And it's, it's yeah. And it was ideal. And then I skied the rest of the way down the mountain and, uh, you know, walked in and watched television, watched basketball and had a beer. (laughs) So I had the best (laughs) of both worlds. There you go. There you go. Hey, uh, so in the chat, a lot of people are not real happy that Duke's going to win this game. But listen, man, can we take a little pride in the ACC, what the ACC has been doing in this uh, tournament? A little bit of – can we take a little bit of conference pride? Yeah. So, listen, you know, the tournaments – one of the things that comes out about the tournament every year is that, like, everybody has such conference pride in general uh, that when they're – when they're – conference is ragged on and then the tournament starts and their conference does well they use it to legitimize whatever their conference was and if their conference was terrible all year long and they do really well it's like yeah well if you guys we're pretty good and i'm that way right now when north carolina beat baylor i was like why don't you suck on that everybody you know now i'm the guy who a year ago was like roll it out there roll you suck ass you know like (laughs) my man hubert blowing a 25 point lead can't inbound the ball. But so like I was torn on that because on the one hand, I'm not a big fan of Baylor as a school, just the whole I'm not a big well, fan of all think, of it. Yeah, but, some issues. Not a big fan of that whole situation in Baylor. Uh that puts me, I know it puts me on an island. Most people love it. Yeah. Um, but uh but also, you know, you can't root for North Carolina. And it's kind of funny that they're blowing a t- 25 point lead with 10 minutes to go. But at the same time, it's like, man, I I, I just felt awful for Hubert Davis. The whole thing was, but then again, it Again, I think the key is that Florida State having a bad year, not being in the tournament, and the conference getting ragged on all year makes you want to be like, hey, man, this conference wasn't as bad as you all made it sound out, made it sound to be. And well, I'm enjoying it. Anytime, anytime the Big Ten loses, man, I want to throw – or the SEC, you know, I want to throw a party. So I, I think it's pretty funny you bring that up because I agree with you, by the way. I um, On the one hand, they made the ACC sound like the worst conference in the history of basketball – and then they're beating a one seed. And, you know, it looks like 
Yeah, I think our chat is right. It does look like Duke's going to move on here. Um, And Miami beats USC and all that other stuff. You know, you're watching that and you're like, you're like, wait a minute. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe the conference is not that bad. Um, I don't, I don't fly the flag in the same way that a lot of people do. Certainly not the SEC. Um, I, on the one hand, I hate the stuffiness, the wine and cheese, and 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 the way that we're treated in the ACC as a whole. I hate the way we're treated. So oftentimes, when the ACC stumbles, I celebrate their their weakness. On other uh, other times, when they're summarily dismissed as insignificant. And we've been to the Sweet 16, I say we um, as an old, back-to-back-to-back years. I'm like, well, hold on, everybody. Let's slow our roll now. I mean, Florida State has now either finished first, second, third, or fourth in the ACC for five years running until this year, gone to back-to-back-to-back Sweet 16s in what is a traditionally great basketball conference in which resources are piled into the conference. Do not dismiss Florida State. So on the one hand, you need the ACC to be strong to to kind of raise up your argument about what Florida State's accomplished. On the other hand, fuck them. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, succinctly put. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't care. You know, I don't really care. I just, I am kind of, you know, and it, and it will help Florida State if next year things get back to normal that the ACC has a good tournament run. Because again, man, like you just don't want the conference you're in to be treated for half the year. Like you were saying midway through the season, some people were saying like basketball experts were saying this could be a one or two bid league. It's like, come on, relax a little bit. And uh, you know, and again, man, so I think it's good for Florida state if the conference has a decent showing uh, in the conference tournament, whether one, you know, man, I don't, I don't really care overall. And I don't play a bracket. Did you, were you able to do a bracket from Montana? I did not do one this year. Uh, I intentionally did not do one. I gamble excessively so for me the bracket's fun like if you're in a family pool or with some fellas that you enjoy you know and everybody goes in um on the other hand if you're if you're like busy trying to do other stuff and pay attention to other things and enjoy the conference tournament or what i'm not the conference tournament the ncaa tournament then like the bracket kind of gets in the way of that so i'll admit to you that i i didn't do one because we were traveling we flew out to washington and then we rented a car and drove into uh, whitefish. Um, and, you know, I went through a blizzard at one point, Ira, I did not have time to worry about the bracket. <laughs> but like our guy, Troy here in the chat, he said, yeah, Kentucky going all the way. Thanks. And that's my point. It's like, if you, when you play a bracket, if you've got Kentucky going to the final four, now you're pissed. And like, it kind of affects your whole tournament. Like if you're not playing a bracket, which I haven't put me, I literally have not played a bracket in over 10 years. Because of this, because I just like to enjoy every upset, and I'm and plus I'm terrible at it. Like if I ever won like five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks in a bracket tournament, maybe I would have a different viewpoint. But a, I always lost, and b, it always made me mad when like there was a Cinderella that won and ruined my bracket. So now I have nothing to worry about, buddy. So I I used to get really angry when Cinderellas would win games because a people would use that to discount the strength of the power conferences which is a bs argument and then b it would screw up your bracket and ruin all the fun on the other hand like as a fan i root for all the underdogs you know as a fan i root for everybody to you know st peter's that's awesome cool good for you um did you you see uh, see did you see shaheen holloway's um press conference today yeah thing about what they asked about like being physical with you and he's like man my kids are from new york and new jersey they're not scared of playing basketball. Yeah. No, it was so cool. I love it. You root for that, right? You're like, yeah. that's great. No, I don't you, listen. I just wanted to. I think you're on to something about not having a bracket, like just sitting back and watching and enjoying the games for what they are. Um, I, I've enjoyed that. I've had to do it in a weird way. I went to this uh, really cool uh, bar at the top of uh, what's called Big Mountain there in Whitefish. There are people on online, I'm sure, that know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's called the Stube. Uh, it's a beer stube, and it's this wonderful old place, Ira. You would love it. I, I had me a cold Guinness, and I watched a bunch of basketball and relaxed, and it's right at the top of the mountain, and it was ideal. And I never once worried about a result because I uh, I didn't have any gambling uh 
money on it and I did not have a pool so I, or a bracket. I didn't have to worry about it. I just watched the games. And it, however it played out, you know, we all have our preferences. Like, you know, it's hard to root for Duke, right? It looks like they're going to win this game. Uh, they're up by five with 17 seconds to play. Um, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, we all have our uh, preferences. On the other hand, uh, just watching it for what it is. I've said for a very long time about the tournament, you know, the thing about the tournament is that most people judge their basketball team's entire season on that tournament. You know, how well do you do? Do you get to the Elite Eight? Do you get to the Sweet 16? Are you a status symbol? And the truth is, do we think Kentucky's a shitty team because they lost to a 15 seed? No, yeah. but they're the victim of what can happen in a tournament where somebody hits some shots and you have an off day. And I always think the pressure's on the higher seated team. Um, I always feel like if things get dicey in the second half, if you're the higher seated team, you're in trouble because you know that this is all on you, uh, that you have to win this game. Your fan base, your coaches, your administration, your alumni and boosters. If you're a blue blood, it's all on you to win that game. Now I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll agree that, Hey, by the way, um, you have every resource in the world to, to do well, but man, the second things get tight in that second half, you always see the younger guys, the, the teams with nothing to lose. They hit shots. They're not, a, they're not afraid. And the teams that are supposed to win, they look around at each other like, Oh man. And, and, and that can ruin an entire, uh, entire season. Yeah. And you know, I guess it's, it's usually what happens like in the Colgate game, Colgate, I thought Colgate was really going to win it, but then they, once it got close and then they couldn't get to the rim anymore. And then they started having to shoot jump shots. Then you could see the pressure affecting them. Like, I think they started feeling a little bit of the pressure. So if you're the underdog, I really, it, it's hard to see if you get a lead, then see the elite evaporate. If you, if you let the other, the, the higher seeded team take the lead, then now yeah. I think all the pressure becomes on the, on the lower seed team. But but man, it's it's uh it's been a good tournament so far. I, I am rooting against Wisconsin. Basically, I'm rooting against coaches. Like that's what I do. Is I is is <laughs> maybe I'll find a team I like, but most of the time I don't like a coach, and that's who I'm gonna root against. I, I was still didn't like the way the Wisconsin guy handled the whole thing with Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard was totally wrong. He deserved to be suspended. Wasn't a fan of the Wisconsin guy either. Would not mind seeing them lose. Um, so I'm I'm kind of going uh back and forth. But hey, um somebody mentioned baseball, I guess. So they're in extra innings, right? With NC State. Yeah. So they, I, I think, it, I think they lost. I don't know. Um, did they? They were. I, was, I don't know. Somebody's pointing out that maybe they did. I don't know. Um, you guys update yeah. us because I, I, I came in and couldn't get my camera working for whatever reason. So I think it's, I, was, uh, I think it's still in the eleventh, tied three three. Okay. So that uh, that'll that'll determine the series because Florida State won the first game. Yeah, NC I saw that. Yeah. So you know, listen. Uh, David, I see your comment here. I'll 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 comment here for you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why you would want to come to that resolution just yet. Uh, when would somebody admit FSU's average not a good team? I actually think uh, FSU's a really good team. Uh, I actually think Florida State's a problem for anybody in the postseason. I'll continue to say it. Um, if you have to play, if you have to face us in a you know in a situation of a series or anything like that, uh, I think you're probably uh, at a disadvantage with the pitching Florida state has. I do say, I do think the bullpen is, is not good right, right now. I think we got an issue with the bullpen, which is uh, if you're, if your starter has a bad night, you're in trouble right now. Um, but I mean, we got a long season to go. I'm not overly concerned about it. Yeah, but no also in a, in a, also in a, in a tournament format, you'd be looking at probably Carson Montgomery because he's a, right now a midweek guy and he's been pitching yeah. well. Now you may, maybe he's the mid, maybe he's the middle middle inning guy. Yeah. Um, so I think you know you don't, but yeah, man, there there are very few teams in the country who would not want Florida State's one two pitchers in a series, and nobody would want to yeah. play Florida State's one two pitchers. Having said that, it would be cool if they started you know being a little bit more dominant during the season. Um, but you know it's still early, and you know they did just win a series on the road uh, last weekend. Yeah, and they just scored thirteen runs or whatever it was yesterday, and I mean I, I don't know. I'm not really concerned about it. I people love to think that early season results are going to dictate terms in the postseason. They're not. Um, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, I think they're a pretty good baseball team. I don't think they're an elite team, but I think they're a good baseball team, and and they have elite pitching at the top of the rotation. So 
We'll see what happens. They do have to find something in that bullpen. The bullpen is a bit of a problem um, at this point. The, the bullpen has underachieved given the amount of arms they have. Uh, is this fun? Yeah, Duke won. Coach K won. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Got all week, everybody. All week to hear about Coach K. The uh, guys are sharing uh, comments in the chat about the uh, football team locker room. They, the football team got to see their new locker rooms, which have been renovated uh, today, and a bunch of them posted stuff on Instagram. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's you know they got their new lockers. It's cool. Uh, the the lockers that they the football teams had for the last I don't know, man. They renovated I think in like twelve or thirteen. So it's been about ten years, um, and so it was definitely time to to redo. I think it was ten. Maybe it was eight years or so. Um, so they've uh, renovated those and they're moving into them. It was a good weekend to do it because they've got recruits on campus. Man, this, tell you what, man, the recruiting from a recruiting standpoint, I guess the whole recruiting probably everywhere has changed. But remember when it was like, you know, there was a few times a year now, dude, they, Florida State, they have guys on campus every day. Uh, and even during the spring break, and they, I mean, they had like 40 something guys yesterday, they're a bunch of guys today, some five-star kids coming tomorrow. And I mean, they're not going to get all these guys, but I think it's just, I don't know that it's just kids now are, they go to every school unofficially. They just, they just tour the country. So you're getting all these kids on campus and they're doing, FSU's doing a good job of making sure they come here on their way to wherever else they're going. So I think the weird thing about recruiting is, and, and I know who I work for and, and, and how much it does matter. And it does matter. It's, it's everything. I mean, I'm not talking about the act of recruiting. Obviously you have to get players. We get that. Um, it, it's really important that you get good players or else you can't win. I get all that. It's just hard to, I, I, I think, have a gauge. Other than, Ira, what you're saying, like, do you get guys on campus? Do you get kids to come see you? Do you get a chance to pitch them? Do you get a chance to show them what your culture is all about? Like, all of that is huge and you better be winning there and it sounds like Norvell and his staff are doing that but in terms of a year out two years out having a feel for whether or not a kid is going to come and you feel really I I can't do that anymore if I'm being honest I don't know I mean I care deeply that we matter that kids show up here that they get a chance to to pitch them that we're doing the right thing NIL wise you know all that I care about that immensely uh, I'm not naive. I get that that's the whole ball game. But when it comes to like this five-star kid or this four-star kid who's a junior, I, you know, it was here. I don't get overly uh, enthusiastic about that because I don't, I don't know how the world works anymore with an IL. I don't know. You know, I saw where the state did not change the laws, did not, mm-hmm. you know, give the teams in the state of Florida the best chance to compete. I can't fathom why that is. Uh, I saw some comments that were absurd. Uh, it's upsetting. I'm sure it is for every team in the state. Uh, I'm sure it will get remedied, but for now, I don't know what to expect. I I mean, it's the wild, wild West. Yeah. You know, I, I I get it. It, And it's tough because especially when you add in the transfer part, because now you may recruit a kid for two years, get him on campus, develop him that for that year while he either red shirts or maybe plays a little bit on special teams. And then he may bounce somewhere else to another school after you've invested two or three years. And so, yeah, I get it. But at the same time, you can't just rely on, you can't not do it. You know, you can't just rely on getting guys in transfers because there's a problem. And, in, in, you know, we've talked to people on the staff about the challenge, and this is not unique to Florida state. It's everywhere. If colleges only go with transfers or go with so many transfers, like Florida state's going with a lot of transfers two years in a row, that becomes a delicate balance with the returning players. Because if you're, you're not just recruiting guys at their position. You're bringing guys to play, to start. Right. Third, fourth, fifth-year guys who at your position, if you do it two years in a row, it's going to be hard to keep those younger guys motivated and invested. So, th- so there's a balance there. So you still have to keep going hard in the high school route. You still have to develop players. But with transfers and NIL and all that, it just uh, – it yeah, you can't count on anything. You know, it's funny, the in the uh, offense roundtable that uh, we did the other day, um, you know, we were talking, somebody talked about the quarterback situation and, and how nobody has experienced backups anymore. And it really is that because, you know, you think back in the eighties and nineties when Florida state would have guys sitting the bench three or four years at quarterback, it just doesn't happen anymore. 
if a kid's not playing after a year or two, they leave and go somewhere else. And and so it's uh, I mean, it's it's got to be a tough time to be a coach, but you got to keep recruiting too because you can't just say, oh well, we may lose these guys and throw up your hands. So it's a tough balance. Yeah, and I don't uh, feel bad for coaches because for years they've reaped the benefit of unpaid labor. So they've been able to, you know, make five, seven, nine, ten million dollars a year and build, you know, chocolate water fountains and everything else <laughs> to get kids. Now you got to re-recruit, you know, re-recruit your kids. Oh well, kind of your job. <laughs> you know, do it. Like make sure everybody's happy. You know, um, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, no. So by the way, Ira, in the week that I was gone, I know you were gone too. You were in Orlando, uh, I do believe. Back and um, forth. Yeah. Yeah. So my curiosity is uh, tomorrow we all get back to work for real Um, tomorrow. Like, you know, we're back to covering practice. I I know they practice on Tuesday, but uh, my question to you is um, we've had some questions in the chat about certain guys, obviously, and and there's some stuff we can talk about, some stuff we can't. What's the sense you get? Because you and I were both at those practices. I had a pretty good feel for what I saw. I think they're good in some areas. Uh, maybe better in some areas than I thought they'd be. I'm slightly concerned in some other areas, and then we've still got a lot more to learn. Anything that uh, that maybe I missed in this last week uh, that revealed anything? Because uh, I don't want to – I want to step out of turn. I don't know what's going on with Jarvis Brownlee. I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah, on with some of these other – Yeah, a few comments in the chat about Jarvis Brownlee. Um, so, yeah, the situation was he wasn't uh, participating the week yeah, before. Yeah, I saw. I, I knew that. Break. I was at that yeah. practice, yeah. And so um, from what our understanding is – if he's back at practice on Tuesday and this week, if he's back at practice participating, he can move on and everything can move on. Um, if he's not, then that means maybe he's decided he doesn't want to be here. I mean, I can't tell the future. As far as everything we've been told, he's still on the roster. He's still with the team. He has not entered the transfer portal. Um, but, you know, there's something going on there. He's not holding out. There's a report. He's holding out for an NIL deal. We've been told that's not the case. Um, but I do think there was some sort of issue where he – whether it's disciplinary, whatever it was, we don't have all the details or can't share all the details, but he wasn't right. with the team that first week. And the idea was he could come back this week coming up, but whether or not that happens, we'll have to see, but it's not a holdout uh, for money or anything like that. It's just, he's uh, there was an issue that he was uh, not practicing. So we'll, we'll have to see how it turns out this week. Yeah, man. Um, I hope he comes back because it adds to the uh, competition. I will say this. My observations without stepping out of line are that that's a, uh, that's a room where if he doesn't, he doesn't. Right. Um, it's on right now. I mean, it is on right now in that defensive backfield. Those two young kids that came in can really play. I think you see an elevated level of focus and intensity from some of the other guys who now recognize, hey, if I don't play well, I'm being supplanted. Um, there's enough youth and competition in that secondary for, I think all of us to get excited about. So listen, right. I, 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 I don't root against kids. I want kids to do well. Uh, I'll tell you if I think they can't play, of course, I'm very brutally honest about that stuff, but I'm not rooting against anybody. I'm just telling you that's one area where if a, if a kid doesn't buy in, I think they're prepared to move on. Ira. Well, no. And I think we, I mean, we saw that over the last two years before, they even had depth at certain positions. You know, when they had there's been there have been guys that have left the program in the last two years that maybe Norvell, if he fought to keep them, maybe he could have kept them. But he mm-hmm. didn't. And I don't right. think he's going to he's not that kind of guy. He's not that he doesn't he's not gonna beg somebody to stay. And certainly, to your point, with this D B room the way it is right now, there's no way would you know, there's no guarantee Jarvis Brownlee, he started probably every game last year. There's no guarantee he's going to be the starter this year. And if he does, he's going to have to beat out, as you said, Amari and Cooper really came on last year. Uh, some of the younger defensive backs are playing well. They brought in another corner that Greedy Vance, who started at Louisville. I mean, there's a lot of competition. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the guys at corner, but they've got a lot of guys that can play. And it's not like Jarvis played at such a high level that Mike Norvell has to like uh, sacrifice his principles or, or, or beg somebody to stay. So if that's what it's going to take for him to come back, he's not coming back. But I think, you know, he may realize that this is still where he needs to be and wants to be, and he'll come back. But, you know, we just don't know for sure until this week. I think the versatility is the beauty of him coming back and all those guys, for that matter. You got run stoppers. uh, You got guys that can cover. You got guys that are kind of a mix and match. I love that they're finding their home. Um, You know, we've had a lot of concerns about this defense for a long time. 
if you have competition and you have versatility, all of a sudden there's a path towards getting a lot better. So let's see, let's see if that happens. Uh, all right. I hope we never see a day where a player refuses to play unless he gets more NIL money. Walkouts in college football for money. That would be terrible. Well, we're in. That was, uh, in, that was from, that was from Zach Z Chan uh, on yeah, the chat. Thanks for, uh, yeah, Z thanks Chan, for time appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I think college football is in a hell of a quandary. Um, I think this is a much larger conversation. I think that we have to look at where college football is going until we get some, you know, perhaps different set of parameters to, to govern what's going on or who's in charge. I felt like five years ago, I said this on my show, that college football was in trouble, that we were moving towards a place where it would leave much of the country bereft of hope. Um, in terms of competing for actual championships and things like that, Ira. And I think that I, I certainly refuse to say, based on where we're at right now, that NIL will ruin or strengthen the sport. I don't know because I don't think anybody knows. I think we're just at a crossroads, and it's really weird as we watch now. The power has shifted, and that's fine, but we do have to have uh, – I think rules that are unilateral. I think we have to have something in place where everybody's abiding right. by the same set of standards. And currently that's not the case. Um, but this is a much larger conversation. Uh, and we're not going right. to. Right. Really I think, and I think there's just two things to remember just as a, just kind of, you know, I feel like I'm talking to my kids when they get upset about something. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying like fans that are getting upset. Because like when my kids get emotional, you know, as, as 18 yeah. and 21 year olds, um, you know, I'm just like, relax, you know, we, let's see how it plays out. Right. And that's what I'm telling fans right now, because there are two things I would say. Number one, and this is a point I've had a lot of people in the athletics administration make comment made to me that right now, because it is the Wild West and it just started and everybody's running in, nobody wants to get left behind. None of these schools want to get left behind. So a lot of donors and people are trying to get behind it and throw money at it. But is that really sustainable? You know, is that is that once the newness of that wears off and maybe when you teams realize, when schools realize, to me, the perfect example is Miami. Like they're throwing all this money at it to start all these NIL deals, their consortium and all that stuff. What happens when they don't win? Because we've seen that throwing money at college football doesn't mean you're going to win. If it would, if you did Texas, how many national championships would Texas have? Right, right. If you just had to throw money at it. So Florida, I mean, so Miami, they're throwing money at it right now. What happens when they don't win? Are people, are the businessmen down there just going to keep throwing money, businessmen and women going to keep throwing money at the UN program just on the hopes? Or are they going to be like, you know what? I'm going to go buy a yacht and spend my weekends, you know, cruising the Mediterranean. I mean, you know, I just, I don't know that how sustainable this is. The other thing is the, there will be um, regulations put into place, whether it's from Congress, whether it's from a new governing body in college football, Whatever it is, they will go to a. I, they are going to have some things in place, and I think one of the things that um, you know a lot of the people at FSU and other schools are advocating is that okay, if a player has, say, there's a, a like the Dana Castellanos from a few years ago, she has a yeah. million followers on Instagram. Yeah, man, she should make a fortune on that. Or if uh, you know Jordan Travis has a ton of followers on social media, he should make a ton of money. It needs to be based on the, like any other influencer based like verifiable metrics of what their reach is as a spokesperson instead of just, Hey, you're playing offensive line at our school. Here's 50 grand like that. That's going to be a change at some point. Well, yeah. And I also think that the market will dictate that Ira because yep. yeah, 100% the market will dictate that because here's the thing. Jameis Winston was worth more to Florida state than any backup right guard could have ever imagined being Jameis Winston would have earned a disproportionate amount of money from whatever monies that there were to be had for Florida state players. Right? Like, so to me, if you're going to invest now in your football team, it's good to me that a coach doesn't make $14 million a year while his players make nothing. Sure. I mean, screw that guy. The players are the, are everything. So if I have seven guys that are actually marketable, that a business could do a business deal with, and it would be a symbiotic relationship where they both do well because I have Jameis Winston representing my car a lot 
and we're kicking ass on the field, well, then he's going to make a ton of money and the business is going to do well and it's a win-win. There's no, there are so few players in college football where that holds true. I mean, there, there, there aren't too many businesses that are going to want to invest even in a really good running back or a really good tight end because it's not going to enhance the profile of their business if they sponsor, and, and God bless them, Cam McDonald. So to me, it's like, okay, you have transcendent and preternaturally great players at very few spots all over the country. Those guys are going to make all the money. They should. Because we now know what Tim Tebow and Jameis Winston did just in jersey sales alone for their universities. Who else on that team did? I'll tell you who didn't. Rashad Green. Ain't nobody buying a Rashad Green jersey. And he was a great player. Good for him. But there's no way you're going to give that guy, if you're a business, Rashad Green a ton of money. You or might host, give Jameis Winston a ton of money. Jose Matias or, you know, yes. Trey Jackson or whatever. Yeah, whoever, I mean, you know, and it's a, yeah. So, yeah, that and that, I think that they're going to get to a point where there is some sort of metric that goes along with how much guys are, guys and women in uh, the women's sports are going to get paid based on, you know, their influence and what they can do, what they can do for a business. But what's happening right now is because it's the Wild West. It just started first year or two. I don't think this is what it's going to be five years from now. So that's why I would just urge fans to think yeah. you just want to throw up their fan, hands and say, well, this is ruining college sports. Let's figure out – they're going to figure out some ways to kind of regulate it, and we'll, we'll see yeah, how that well, Something out. that's ruining college sports more is certainly the idea of the SEC and the Big Ten lapping all the other conferences by triple – and quadruple the amounts of money that they bring in every year, which means that this will become very regional very quickly. <laughs> and there'll be about seven teams that can compete, and, and that'll be the end of that. Um, now, moving on from that, I guess tied at the top of the 12th. Uh, nice. Go FSU. Let's see what happens here. Um, secondly, I think I saw a question. I want to go back up to it uh, that was pertinent here. Let's see. Uh, A&M boosters. By the way, Kevin writes, I imagine the Texas A&M boosters are going to get tired of paying $30 million per recruiting class for eight win seasons. I'll say this. You can stack the deck, man. Jimbo stacked the deck at Florida State. Uh, he got the right quarterback at the right time, and this was before he was broken. But Florida State basically was able to field an NFL football team on each side of the ball. And I dare say that if Auburn didn't have the play calls in the first half of that game in the national championship, basically Florida State beat everybody's ass and would have beaten their ass too. And even with knowledge of all the play calls, Florida State still came back and won. Players matter. If A&M is going to continue to spend 30 to $40 million on a recruiting class and they're going to sign the best class year in and year out, Ira, and that's a big if. But if they're going to do that, they will win it. A national championship. Let me uh, let me let me uh, offer my rebuttal. Okay. Uh, the issue to me with Jimbo is he's got he does have to get another Jameis type quarterback because. But he problem, will. Ira, he'll keep throwing well, money at it until he, he does. Might, I mean, he might get lucky and get one, but, but he will. So he hasn't so far. And my point is, he the way he coaches, he doesn't use that athleticism and athletic ability to dominate opponents because Agreed. he's so worried about his offense and running his system the way he wants to run it that the, yeah. the games stay too close. So that makes him susceptible to losses. Fewer and think, plays, correct. And that's a problem. So to me, that that if he that's why I wouldn't say he's just automatically going to win it because I think he has a hard time getting out of his own way when it comes to – he. it's not important to him to dominate opponents or – you know, he's just – it's more important to him that the offense runs the right way. And I think that gets in his way. So that's why I would never bet on them to win it. But, yeah, man, in, in the next couple of years, if they recruit keep recruiting like this, I mean, they'll definitely be the favorite. But to, to his point, uh, how frustrated are people going to be if you recruit at that level and don't win a national title? And it's, well, no, listen, we can, revel, we can revel in the schadenfreude that is them losing four games every year. I agree with you. I just think that if this becomes a money-spending venture and you're going to sign the best class season in and season out, your margin for error becomes so great. And if you just stumble across a plus quarterback, Ira, I think he'll win. I think he will. Um, he'll have better players at every position. And if he just gets a quarterback that can handle him, <laughs> the, 
you know, and that's a big if you're right, but I, I, I do think it's simple. But now listen, what you're hoping for is that something comes into play before then and we don't get to that place. Because by the way, it's not about Jimbo. It's about college football. If we get to a place where that's what wins, people are tuning out because it already exists and exists better in the NFL. And there's no reason for me to watch college football if five teams can compete and everybody else is screwed. There's just, you know, uh, right. bottom line is that there's no reason. So somebody's going to have to step in at some point. I I'll be very, very curious. Um, the next five years in college football is going to be infinitely fascinating because we all love the sport. We all care about it deeply. I go on the air every day. Ira writes about it every day. We're out there as war chant crew. Um, listen, I've tried Garrett. My focus on the camera is all screwed up. I barely got hooked up tonight. I, uh, trust <laughs> me. I understand the camera screwed up. Uh, I'm going to fix it as soon as we get off here. Um, and it's not because of the autofocus, but anyhow, um, I do, I do, I love college football. I always have, and I want the sport to be saved. And I do want us to get to a place where, uh, I'm not, it's never been equal. It's never been a case where, you know, uh, I, I'm not, you know, Pollyanna and this idea that 70 teams could win a title. That's never been the case, but I do need more than five. I, I do need more than four or five teams to be able to compete. A couple other things. A uh, couple of people, people have asked about Winston Wright in the chat, the West Virginia from the wide receiver from West Virginia. Uh, yeah. The first weekend of spring break, he was went back home to Savannah and uh, got into a car accident. Thankfully uh, everybody came out of it alive. Uh, and it sounds like it was the other driver's fault, but um, they got into an, he got into an accident, uh, had a leg injury from what we're hearing. Uh, we haven't been able to talk to Mike Norvell yet because uh, they've been on spring break. And we also, uh, you know, we can't call the hospital and get his information. But from what we understand, uh, it's a significant injury. And, uh, you know, there's doubts about whether or not he would be able to play this coming up season, which would be a huge blow because of the four wide receivers that they brought in the transfer market. Uh, he was the most experienced, the most productive one in his prior school. And uh, so we'll have to see. I mean, I'm, we don't know for sure. Right now, it doesn't sound good for him possibly playing this season. Uh, if he does, that would be huge because he's not only uh, a really good receiver, but he's also a return specialist. Uh, but we're just going to have to see. We'll, we'll know for sure on Tuesday uh, when Mike Norvell meet, meets with the media. Well, if we're only speaking about football, and I don't want to be crass, so to be sure, as long as he's okay, we can have this conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not, it, yeah. nothing – from everything we know, it's not like it was a life or yeah, death so situation. I, the only thing I wanted to preface what I was saying just to make sure that people understand that I care. I, I, you know, listen, football matters greatly to all of us, but as long as the kid's okay. But if for some reason he's not able to play football this year, that is a devastating blow, I think, to Florida yeah. State. I mean, I think that's the guy in the transfer portal that you kind of sat back and thought, okay, I don't have to worry about it. That's a guy whose film tell, tells you he can play on Saturdays. And he can play against Power Five competition. So if for some reason he can't play, man, that's a room that we have a lot of questions about, Ira, and that would be slightly disconcerting. And we had a couple of people following up your comment earlier about concerns you still have on the team. I'm gonna guess you're still not over the moon about the linebackers. I'm guessing, or what what positions are you uh, still a bit yeah. concerned about? Well, I don't think I'm not sure they're gonna get. Um, the kind of pass rush that I would like. Right. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, I, I'm waiting because you got some guys that have been moved around. You got other guys that are coming in trying to find out, you know, what's what. So I'll just tell you that I, I don't see anybody right now as an heir apparent. I don't see anybody that's definitely guaranteed to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, so that I worry about a little bit, Ira. I don't know about you, but I, um, Tatum, these, Bethune, I, I love him at linebacker. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, it's early, but I think he's probably as advertised. I feel pretty good about that. I think that that room got deeper because of his addition. Now he becomes the guy. And then you have other, you know, two or three other guys that you feel pretty good about. So, okay, you only have two linebackers in the field these days most of the time. I'm okay there uh, a little more so than I was because he looks like the real deal. Um, Tatum Bethune, that is. Uh, but rush end, I'm, I'm a little, you know, a little – a little bit worried. Yeah, and we'll have to see more this week. I mean, uh, you know, this week because what we saw the first week was they had three practices and not pad or two two practices and no pads and 
then a couple practices in pads. And uh, we'll see a lot more going forward starting this week and then the, these last few weeks of the spring where we can see more one-on-one and more, um, you know, just live 11-on-11 pass rush situations uh, mm-hmm. to see, as, you know, particularly everybody's excited about Jared Verse, the transfer defensive end who uh, looks the part, but, you know, we have to see if he can play at that level that everybody hopes he can. Dennis Briggs moves back from defensive tackle to defensive end, looks a lot leaner than he did before at defensive tackle, uh, has some bursts. But, yeah, I don't know that you'd look at any of those guys or Derek McClendon or, uh, you know, any of those guys behind them and and look at them and say, okay, that guy's going to give me eight sacks or that guy's going to give me, you know, uh, two pressures a game or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that we haven't seen it yet. It could come, uh, but we definitely haven't seen it yet. Yeah, there's some guys that are playing really well on that defensive line that I am excited about, by the way. Um, I think it's going to be a different-looking team. It's going to be fascinating to watch. I think they're better at linebacker because of Tatum Bethune. We need to knock on wood that he stays healthy. When you talk about this defensive line, uh, you know there, there are guys that I really like that have moved up. Farmer's a guy that I think is going to play really you know, really well. You and I have talked about that. They're a weird team. Um, they've got a lot of work to do, but there's also a lot of pieces that we're excited to see develop. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. You know, I'm not, I'm not ready to make sweeping, um, I guess, proclamations about what they will or will not be. Briggs is, uh, Kevin brings this up. Um, Was it the Louisville game where you got cheap shotted? Oh, absolutely. Cheap shotted. Uh, I talked about it probably ad nauseum. I got to probably stop talking about it because I've basically called for a hit, Ira. Um, uh, I, I, I was so mad when that happened. I, I, I don't even like talking about it. I get too emotional. I'm not rational when I talk about it. I watch that play. That is an intentional setup and a cut. That is an intent to hurt. Uh, I think if I were Norvell after that game, I might have had a conversation that resulted in me and the other coach being separated. Uh, there's no chance that I would, and this is why I'm classless, there's just no chance that I wouldn't set somebody up to get hurt. <laughs> it's good thing, yeah. Good thing they only let you call plays for a little while in the spring game last year. That would have yeah. been a problem. That would have been a problem if you had been like, "Hey, did you see what they that guy just did, Coach? Uh, we're all on the same team." Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, take his knees. Um, apparently, I'm not watching baseball right now, and so somebody brought up that uh, we had no outs and a man on second, and uh, somebody wanted us to sack bunt. Whatever. I, I haven't watched it. I will go back and watch it. Uh, NC State scored two on a two-run homer in the top of the 12th, so four states in position to potentially lose this series again. Uh, going to be an interesting year. It's a long year. I actually think they're a good baseball team. Today's result won't change that, uh, but I will go back and watch the game. I don't know what happened with the runner on second, nobody out. I'm not necessarily for giving up an out there, but okay, whatever. Well, I'll have to go back and watch, and I will uh, before tomorrow's show. I know this as we get set to wrap. I'm pumped to get back out there, Ira. Uh, I think this team has more storylines than we've had in ages. Sunday Smash, guys, if you're not listening to the Jeff Cameron Show weekdays, Monday through Friday, this is not a shameless self-promotion. This is me telling you I will make you money using prize picks. All right, prize picks. Promo code WARCHANT. Sign up right now. I don't get any money from this. I don't make any money from this, just so you know. I'm killing prize picks. They're going to kick me off of prize picks. I am bending prize picks over on the daily. These people at prize picks hate my ass. I promise you. So sign up. Use the promo code WARCHANT. I should make a ton of money off of prize picks, but I don't. And until I do, I'm going to tell you just to join me and listen to the end of the show. You should listen every day anyhow. But listen to the end of the show. I'm giving you daily winners. It's an ATM, guys. It's an ATM. (laughs) They don't know what they're doing when it comes to golf. I should not be drawing attention to this. They don't know what they're doing. I'm Ira, I'm going to call you every morning and tell you what to pick. For golf on these prize picks it's unreal the way i'm killing these guys so i had sam burns this week he just won the tournament guys i'm killing prize picks killing them use the promo code war <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if I, you don't want to give me your picks my my prize pick stink will rub off on you because i'm a loser 
I'm who they want. The, the reason they're advertising with us is because of me. They've got me <laughs> on the hook, and uh, I'm balancing it out. But uh, yeah, people check them out, and uh, you can do it. They have they have lines on you know NBA, oh, and baseball, you combine them, sport, you combine them. sports, NHL. Ira, yeah, this is a degenerate like me. These people are like, oh my god, this guy's a problem. I'm giving you a half a soccer in European league and I'm marrying it with the over under on Durant's total of the first half in the NBA. And then I'll couple it with the Sunday best score final round at Doral. And then I'll throw in an assist total for, you know, whomever guys, you can marry all of these things. It's so it's, it's, it's beautiful. Use the promo code war. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'm gonna go back and watch some uh, NCAA tournament. I guess if you got a yeah. Rudy. I, I, man, I I need to change the channel. I don't know if Wisconsin's uh, winning or not. That's my big. I got to root against Wisconsin, so I'm gonna go. I'm about do that. to flip over. Hey, listen, it's been a pleasure. Sorry, my uh, malfunctions with the computer and the camera in the beginning. I don't know what was going on there, guys. Uh, we're gonna get more settled in as the weeks go by. Both Ira and I were on vacation. Uh, I, it's my fault tonight that we got started late, but uh, I always appreciate everybody joining us. And couple, don't forget, well, I just yeah. want to throw in a couple of content things real quick and then yeah. wrap it up. Um, we just a couple of days ago, we ran, or, or I guess on Friday, we ran our uh, offensive round table, looking at the spring coming out of spring break. Uh, tomorrow we'll be running our defensive round table, tons of recruiting coverage. All those guys we mentioned earlier, that have been visiting this weekend. Go to warchant.com. We've got tons of coverage for Michael and Austin out there as well. And, Corey will be writing about baseball, which if they lose, they'll be writing about that. But Corey's uh, covering baseball tonight. That's okay, man. That's all right. Let's uh, let's talk some baseball this week as well. But uh, all right. Love you guys. Be good. Ira, love you too, brother. Be good. Right. And uh, talk to you this week. I'll see you out there at practice. And uh, to all you guys who watch tonight, Sunday Smash, don't forget Warchant.com, Warchant TV, Wake Up Warchant, Jeff Cameron Show. We're peppering you with content all the time. So you're good to go. Be good, everybody. Peace. See ya.